If you would turn to Romans, the 12th chapter this evening. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The New Living says, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Are thoughts really that powerful that if you change the way you think, you become a different person? The word transformed here is the word we get our word uh, uh, morph or metamorphosis from. It's like what happens uh, from caterpillar to butterfly. You're not just changed a little bit. You're changed into something different. We're talking about radical change, major change. And he says that God transforms us by what? By the renewing of your mind. Today's English version says it like this. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world. Let God transform you inwardly by a complete change Of your mind. Then you'll be able to know the will of God. What is good and is pleasing to him. And is perfect. Now this transforming of who we are. What kind of person we are. And he's writing to people that were already born again. This letter is addressed to the saints. That were at Rome. Not only does it change us. But it causes us to be able to discern, ascertain, recognize, be sure about the will of God. Is this valuable to you? That you are, you know, and you are sure about what is God's perfect will. It is hard to overemphasize what kind of effect this has on you. If you know what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to be joined to and hooked up with, who you're supposed to be helping, who's supposed to be helping you. When you're not looking for it, wondering about it, asking questions, you know you're sure. It makes you a different person, doesn't it? You're not losing sleep. You're not pacing the floor. You're not asking everybody and their brother, uh, what do I need to do? Tell me what to do. But if you want this clarity, if you want this stability, you got to change the way you think. Don't you? Your thinking's got to be changed. Do you want to become more like the master? Do you want to change? Reckon... You have already arrived at Christ-like perfection where you sit tonight. Huh? If you haven't, then what's the solution? You need to change. Look at your neighbor. Tell them convincingly. Say, you, you need to change. <laughs> tell somebody. You. you <laughs> oh, some of the looks I saw. <laughs> I saw some folk look at each other and 
The other person kind of dared them to say it. So they didn't, their, their lips didn't move. Well, honey, you do need to change. I'll tell you. I assure you, you need to change a lot. And so do I. Because we have not arrived at Christ-like perfection. And how are we going to change? It takes the transforming power of God to change us from what we've grew up with all our life or what we've been immersed in for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. People say, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, ain't it great that you ain't an old dog? (laughs) You are a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away and all things have become new. All things are possible. You can radically change after many years of being a certain way. Wasn't that a great testimony that this man gave? How out of his own mouth, how hard he had been for what, 30 something years? And it sounds to me like he's had a transformation. Doesn't it? It sounds like he has had major change. He's a different man. Well, I assure you, he changed his thinking. Didn't he? The Lord helped him through the word. He began to see things differently. He began to think differently. And he was transformed into another person. So if you know somebody that's just hard to be around, don't write them off. They just need some of this. They need some transformation. Don't they? You can take the meanest, sorriest individual and get them saved. Get them filled with the Spirit. Get them full of the Word. Get their mind and their thinking changed. And they can be the most wonderful person. Is it true that, it, can the love of God do this? Can, can the power of God do this? All the time it does it. Go with me, if you would, to uh, Luke, the 10th chapter. We looked at this the last time I spoke on this, but I didn't feel like we got through. And I want us to get more into it. In Luke, the 10th chapter, Luke chapter 10... Jesus uh, went to Martha's house. And uh, Martha must have been a good cook. There's every indication that she was top notch. And uh, Jesus was over there more than just once or twice. He he was over there quite a bit. And uh, Martha and her sister Mary and, and their brother... Um, were very close friends of his, the scripture talked about. And on this occasion, um, verse 38 of chapter 10, Luke 10, 38, it came to pass as they went, he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. So she's a, she's a good woman. She respects the Lord. 
She respects the ministry. She's willing to give what she's got and make available what she's got. Verse 39. She had a sister called Mary. Which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, tell her to get up and come in here and help me. They got a house full of company. And there's quite a few mouths to feed. And the master's here. And Martha wants to do this right. And it's a lot of work involved. How many understand back then? Uh, no microwaves. <laughs> no instant anything. <laughs> you had to walk to the well and get the water. And, and you had to beat the corn out and, and make the flour. And oh boy. And, uh, the more Martha's working in there, she's got, you know, she's making bread and, and she's preparing the meat and she's preparing the vegetables and she's getting things ready for the dessert and she's doing this. She's got about, you know, eight things going at once and she's just buzzing around from side to side in the kitchen there and from pot to pot and she looks out there and Mary is just sitting there <laughs> looking at Jesus with a sweet smile on her face. And she tried to get her attention. She'd go up once in a while and go, Mary, Mary. But then the pot was boiling. She'd have to go back and check. And as the minutes went by, she got (laughs) annoyed and frustrated, angry. And she was just sure. That Jesus would feel the same way if he realized, which he must not have, but if he realized (laughs) that Mary should have been in there helping her so much so that eventually she just blares into there and I guess interrupts him. And in front of everybody says, Jesus, would you tell Mary to get up and get in here and help me? She's just sure. That she and Jesus think alike. (laughs) She's not the last one that was wrong about that particular point. (laughs) So many are just sure that the way they feel about it, the same way the Lord feels about it. And in, in actuality, he sees it opposite. He did on this occasion. Uh, verse 41, Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Now, if the Lord ever calls your name twice like that, <laughs> just go ahead and kneel down and start repenting. You don't even need to wait. <laughs> huh? Keith, Keith. Huh? The Lord ever calls your name twice like that? Martha, Martha, you are careful, careful. What does that mean? Full of care. Care. Well, sure, she cared about getting the meal right. She cared about 
See, people justify care. But as far as the Lord's concerned, there's no justification for worrying. And being anxious, it doesn't matter what's going on. Um, Let me go over that again real slow. As far as the Lord's concerned, and you do know he's right about everything. There is no justification. There are no set of circumstances where you are justified in being anxious and worried. Anytime, now all of us have made mistakes in that area, but anytime that you did, you were wrong and you didn't have to do it and you shouldn't have. Didn't the scripture tell us, be careful for nothing? Didn't the scripture tell us, casting all your care on him? Doesn't the Bible say this? Scripture says, take no thought about these things. But Martha was. And oftentimes, people that are good people, I believe Martha's a good woman. And a lot of times, good people that take their responsibilities seriously go too far. And they justify. See, she felt totally justified. In fact, she's upset with her sister because she's not in there with her, being just as careful as her. Did you know people that are anxious and worried and upset will get angry at you because you're not as upset as they are? Huh? And you are commanded of the Lord not to. He didn't say try not to. We're commanded of him not to worry, not to fear. Now we have not digressed. The reason you're worried and anxious and full of care is because of what you're thinking on. She's not just slinging pots around back there. She's got something on her mind, not just something on the stove. What's on her mind? What did Jesus say? You are careful and troubled about many things. Not two or three things. Many things. She's bothered and troubled. Is the bread going to turn out okay? Am I going to burn the roast? Uh, Am I cooking that too long? And where is my lazy sister? (laughs) Does she not know we got a house full of company? Jesus said, Martha, Martha. You know, she had the uh, forwardness. To interrupt him and blare in there and blurt out about her sister. Well, he's just going to go ahead and address it in front of everybody. (laughs) Martha, Martha, you are full of care and trouble. Look at you. You're troubled. Is he telling her it's okay for her to be like this? No. No. You're troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. I want you to say that out loud. But one thing is needful. Say it again. But one thing is needful. How many things? One. Just one? Just one? That's what he said. One thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part. And uh, it shall not. 
be taken away from her. Let me read the New American Standard. The NAS verse 41 says, uh, The Lord said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. Somebody say one thing. God's Word translation says, Martha, Martha, you worry and fuss about a lot of things. There's only one thing you need. There's only one thing you need. And Mary has made the right choice. And that one thing will not be taken away from her. One thing. The reason I wanted to get back into this is because the Lord quickened to me that this is so significant. What we're on right now is the cause of frustration, anxiousness, fear, doubt. The Lord didn't give us the spirit of fear. He gave us the spirit of what? Power. And love and what? A sound, sound mind. We're not supposed to be here, there, here, there, here, there, full of care, troubled about many things. When you're reading about Martha, you're reading about three-fourths of the church people. And the problem is people think that's good to be that way. It shows you care. It shows you're responsible. But Jesus corrected her. One thing he said is needful. Now, something we, we sorely need to make an adjustment. We're talking about renewing our minds. Where we have missed it repeatedly, just like Martha, is in assuming things. Martha assumed we're going to need a a good meal prepared. We're going to need it done like this. She assumed. Can you see her assumption ran all the way to she assumed her sister ought to be in there helping her and assumed Jesus would feel the same way as she does about it so much that she blared it out. But she was wrong about all of it. And come to find out, she should have been in there hearing the word like her sister instead of her sister in there in the kitchen upset and and rushing around like her. Well, things have to be done and if everybody just sat around and listened to the word, nothing had happened. (laughs) That's Martha's sister. Martha's brother. It's not true. It's not true. The Lord knows things need to be done. They don't have to be done the time you think they have to be done. They don't have to be done the way you think they have to be done. There were times he was on the hillside and everybody ate and nobody cooked. Nobody cooked and they had 12 baskets left over. And all they did was sit and listen to the word. Friend, when your priorities are right, 
you begin to come into some areas where it just comes to you. You don't have to sweat for it. You don't have to scratch it out. When you seek first the kingdom of God, he will add those things to you instead of you scrambling and trying to make them happen. Something so simple, so simple. You've done it. I've done the same thing that Martha did. So simple that she didn't do. She should have come in to Jesus and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to fix us a good meal? And on this occasion, he'd have said, no. I want you to just sit down here by your sister. If she'd have just asked. Somebody say ask. Ask. But see, Martha had sense enough to know that with a house full of people, they're going to get hungry. Food ain't just going to appear out of nowhere. (laughs) If she had just asked. This assuming. And can you see by her not asking and her not finding out the one thing she needed to know. Then she is all over the place. And her mind is going ten different directions at once. And she's full of care and anxiety. She's troubled. See, friend, this should tell us alone that we're off. Shouldn't it? Our mind is over here and it's over there and it's over here. And we're rushing around and we're troubled and we're bothered. That alone should be just a a red light and a bell saying, hey, hey, what are you doing wrong? Because thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. We are supposed to walk not just uh, a few minutes on Sunday morning or in some good service or meeting. We're supposed to walk every day and every night in the peace that passes understanding. And if our minds are renewed and we think on the right thing and we think the way that we should, we will ascertain every morning, noon, and night what is the perfect will of God. We'll stop, we'll ask, we'll check, and we'll know. And instead of asking all these questions and bouncing all over here, we know there's just one thing I need to know. What am I supposed to be doing right now? There's only one thing I need to know. And if you get that, and you receive that, and you forget about everything else, the frustration goes away. The anxiety goes away. The confusion goes away. And all that's left is peace. We talked about this already. You go to a restaurant. You sit down at the table and wait person comes over. They say, what do you have? And, and you say, well, what do you have? And they say, beans. <laughs> what else? Beans. <laughs> what will you have? There's no opportunity to get frustrated about what do I pick. <laughs> Is there? All these decisions. What do I want? Well, you only got one choice. So you don't go around the table 
for 10 minutes going, well, what do you want? I don't care. What do you want? Oh, I don't care. What do you want? Really, I don't care. What do you want? Let's just get what you want. No, let's get what you want. None of that. Why? Because there's only one thing. Somebody say one thing. When there's only one thing, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. You don't have to do any more research. You don't have to look up anything else. You don't have to call anybody, ask anybody. Easy. One thing. You might say, well, I like choices. That's the problem. That is the problem. We've always liked choices since Adam and Eve. But if Jesus is your Lord, and if his word is your final authority, and his spirit is your ultimate guide, then when you find out what he tells you, there should be nothing else on the menu. When the Lord tells you what's for supper today, no need for you to look anymore, unless you want to get out of the will of God. Unless you want to do something on your own. First Kings 18. What did Jesus tell Martha? One thing. How many things? One thing. Is needful. She was full of care and troubled about many things. But he said no it's none of that. It's one thing. And Mary has picked the one thing. That should have been picked right now. And she's not going to lose it. Somebody say one thing. One. First Kings 18. You don't have to turn there. They'll put it up on the screen for us. 1821. 1821. Elijah is facing down the prophets of Baal. And the people have been bewitched and deceived by these ungodly individuals. And they have embraced this idol worship, Baalism. And Elijah came to all the people and he said... How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And the people did what? Didn't answer him a word. Why? Because they knew what they were doing wasn't right. But they wanted a choice. They wanted to do something else. They wanted to do something different. The uh, the Hebrew there for halt means to hop, hop, back and forth, hop. This Sunday they go over to the Lord's temple. Next Wednesday they're over at uh, Baal place. This week they believe in healing. Next week they're not sure. Huh? This week they believe God will meet all your needs. Next week they wonder, is all that stuff really right? You can't hop around, you can't vacillate. And see, it's always been this way, it's just pronounced with the development of technology. We have choices. I mean, when I was growing up on TV, we had two or three channels, depending on 
if the antenna was okay. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I see some of y'all had the same set. <laughs> we had to get out the ladder and get up on top of the house and turn the antenna. How's that look? But now, man, with cable, with satellite, hundreds. And how's that helped us? <laughs> How are we doing with that? <laughs> what you watching? Oh, nothing. <laughs> I just portrayed a third of people's life. And the internet, you talk about choices. You can Google one thing faster than you can blink your eyes. You got 2,835,643 returns, choices, different things you can look at. And this is why much of our population is bleary-eyed, tired all the time because you got to search them out. See what's on there. The eyes of man, the scripture says, anybody know? Never satisfied. What does that mean? You cannot see enough that your eyes go, okay, that's it. I don't want to see anymore. Your eyes will look at stuff until they're burnt to raisins and you fall out of your chair. And your eyes will still want to see something else. (laughs) And is this helping us? No. We have chronic fatigue. Because the Lord said what? On any given day, any given afternoon, any given night, there's not five things you're supposed to be doing. There's not three. Now, if you want to do your own thing, okay, you can have 25, like Martha. And you can be over here, and you can be over there, and you can be rushing around, and you will tell it by your lack of peace. And by your worry and your anxiety and being troubled. And people have lived this way for so long, they think it's normal. They think, and for the world, it is. But it's not for us. It's not how a child of God is supposed to be living. We're supposed to be walking in the peace that passes understanding. We're supposed to be strong all the time. We're supposed to be clear-headed, clear-minded, clear-souled all the time. We're supposed to discern and know what the will of God is in every situation all the time. And the Bible said it happens by the renewing and changing of our mind. And I'm telling you, what we're on right now, friends, is a key component of why the Lord had us minister on this. 
We are into something now that if we will receive it and we'll implement it, it will affect what we're reading. A transformation will begin to occur in our lives. We'll turn into different people. Instead of being draggy and, and sleepy and frustrated and annoyed and short and snappy and impatient and quick-tempered. That's a result of somebody that's careful and troubled about many things. But if every morning you wake up and you go. There's just one thing on the menu. Hmm? Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? Inquire of the Lord. Ask Him. And He will let you know. It may not always be what you planned. It may not always be what you'd like to do. Or what you thought. But if you're smart. You'll go with Him. And you'll find he will make things work out so amazingly. So all the stuff you thought you needed to be concerned about. It's amazing how it all works out. While you're doing the one thing. He told you to do. Somebody say one thing. Say it again. One thing. Matthew 14. Go over there please. Matthew 14. I'm excited about this. You know, some things don't necessarily make you run, aisle, and shout. But they do such powerful things on the inside of you if you'll receive them. It changes your life. We're into that right now. You believe this? Matthew 14. Somebody say one thing. One thing. One thing is needful, he said. Matthew 14. Jesus came to them, down about verse uh, 23, 24, walking on the water. And they're in the ship. And the Bible said, verse 24, it was tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Is that possible? It happened. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea... They were filled with faith. Huh? <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> now here's something interesting. You ever heard somebody say, well, I'd like, if I could see a miracle, then, you, then I'd believe. No, actually faith does not come by seeing miracles. Are they seeing a miracle? Did it fill them full of faith? No. You could be right in front of one of the greatest miracles and leave doubting, leave scared, leave troubled and full of fear. Tell me how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word, what we're doing right now. That's how faith comes. You just have to decide, choose that you're going to believe it and receive it. So they were troubled. And they said, it's a spirit. We'd probably say, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. How many think that was not the one thing they should have been doing right there? (laughs) But straightway Jesus spoke to them. He said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Now what we're getting into is submission 
to the Lordship of Jesus. Submission to the authority of his word. When the Lord tells you, don't be afraid. Stop worrying. Don't think about that. Most of the church has taken this as a suggestion. But when the Lord tells us, don't be afraid, he fully expects us to stop being afraid right then. When he tells us, don't think about that, he fully expects us to obey him and not let ourselves dwell on it again. Period. But you got half the church will whine and cry and go, well, I try not to, but it's so hard. And I just, you know, I just care and I get, I get to thinking about it. I don't mean to, but then I, it bothers me. And if you don't quit that, you'll never be free. And you will not be transformed into a faith person, a strong person. You'll always be a worried, scared, whiny baby. If the Lord says, Stop being afraid. What do you do? You are supposed to straighten yourself up and wipe off your tears. And don't tell him you're trying. (laughs) That won't cut it with him. It might work with grandma. (laughs) Well, I just, I need a hug. I need some help. I'm trying not to. It ain't going to cut it with him. He is not tolerant concerning unbelief and fear. Now, if you don't know this about him, read the scripture. Don't take my word for it. Put your nose in this book. See where he got irritated with them. See where he got angry with them. It's when he told them, don't fear, don't doubt, and they kept on doing it. Because it's a choice of what you choose to think on. It's a choice. If he says, fear not, what's he expect you to do? Now, here's some help. Uh, anybody know the 23rd Psalm? Among other things it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Say that out loud. I will fear no evil. We might say today, I will not fear any evil. I will not fear. I will not fear. I what? I will not. It's a choice, my brother and sister. It's a choice. And what we've not understood sometimes is you treat symptoms of fear just like you do symptoms of lack, symptoms of disease, symptoms of anything else. It's a temptation to fear. And I don't care if you, if the hair on your back, your neck's sticking up and, and your knees are knocking together. That doesn't mean it's too late and you can't help it. That's when you open your mouth and you say, I refuse to fear. I resist this fear. I will not give in to it. Yea, though I walk. How many of you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death? You're going to feel some things. You're going to see some things that are not good. But do you have to just throw up your hands and say, I can't. And just yield to it. And just fall down and feel helpless and be a victim. Do you have to? No, see, faith is not based on what you feel. See, the devil will come and say, well, it's too late. Look at you. You're scared silly. Look at you. Look how you feel. Look what you're doing. You say, no, no. These are just feelings. These are just thoughts. 
I refuse to let it inside me. I resist it. I stand against it. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I refuse to. I resist it. Leave me. And friend, if you'll do that, immediately your feelings will begin to change. They'll begin to change. The Lord didn't tell us to try not to be afraid. Try not to worry. He never said any of that. He said, don't do it. Stop. And if he tells you, don't do it, that means he knew we could. Are you with me, friends? Say, I refuse to fear. fear. Say it again, I refuse to fear. fear. Jesus spoke to them. He said, be of good cheer. What does that mean? Cheer up. Quit this. What are they doing? <laughs> They're holding each other, going, oh, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. He said, quit that. Quit it. Quit. Cheer up. And quit being afraid. Did he expect them to do what he told them to do? Yeah. Yeah. He, he wouldn't have told them to do it if he didn't expect them to do it. Be of good cheer. Cheer up. And don't be afraid. It's me. Cheer up. And don't be afraid. You know, there's a lot of Christians, if they're in a bad way and frustrated, upset, scared, whatever, and they come to their brother or sister or they come to their preacher and they want to tell them their problem for, uh, you know, two hours and the person just stops and goes, you know, wait, 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 cheer up and quit being afraid. <laughs> they call it verbal abuse. <laughs> they're like, well, I, I need some help and... Everybody has down days and everybody's weak sometimes. Said who? That's not in the scripture. That's a bunch of religious junk. It's excuses to wallow in it. To yield to something you and I are supposed to be resisting. Oh friend, this is the core of what we've been working toward for, for weeks now. How can you be renewed? Transformed. By the renewing of your mind. How can you? You've got to believe. I can think. On what I'm supposed to think on. And I don't have to think. On what I don't need to think on. You've got to believe. You have that ability. You have that strength in God. And when he tells you. Quit thinking about that. There is no justification for you coming back tomorrow or next day or next month telling him well I tried not to but you know and it's got quiet and it just bothers me so bad that's unacceptable he told he gave you an instruction he gave you an order he told you to not think about that are y'all with me friends and when he tells you don't think about it what is the only one thing for you to do there's nothing else on the menu Let's keep going. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come to you on the water. He said, come. Come on. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Somebody say, wow. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was what? He was afraid and beginning to sink. 
He cried, Lord, save me. And Jesus said, Jesus immediately reached forth his hand. He caught him. He pulled him up. And he said, it's amazing you made it that far. (laughs) Mm -mm. No. He wanted him to make it all the way. And so here's what he says to him. He's holding on to him. Can you get the picture? The waves are kicking up. The wind is blowing their hair and blowing their garments. Because the Bible said in, in, the, in the literal translation said the wind was blowing vehemently. That's what Peter's problem was. The wind was blowing so hard and the thought came to him. You can't stay up with the wind blowing this hard. <laughs> you can't keep doing this. With the waves kicking up like this and the wind, which is a completely illogical, unreasonable thought. But that's how fear is. Fear is illogical. It's unreasonable. Because you, you know, you can't walk on the water when it's perfectly calm. And the, and the lake's like glass. You're not a breeze stirring. Except by the power of God. And what he didn't, what didn't occur to him, if it hadn't been for the miraculous power in the word Jesus gave him, he would have already sunk. Come on, did you get that? The enemy will come to you. You've been standing. God's been holding you up. He's been maintaining you. He's been keeping you. He's been doing things for you. And then a wind will kick up. And the devil will go, well, you can't, you ain't going to make it now. And the truth is, you'd have been gone years ago, except the power of God has been keeping you up. So what has this little wind got to do with that? And why won't the same power that's got you through all your life to this place get you through this and bring you out the other side? Glory to God. The Young's literal translation says, Immediately Jesus, having stretched forth his hand, he laid hold of him, and he said to him, Little faith, for what did you waver? Oh, you can see it, friend. Our text is so well exemplified right here. Peter is shaking in the boat with the other guys, scared of a ghost, an apparition, out on the water until he hears a word. He hears the voice of the master. He knows that voice. He's heard that voice before. And it's a friendly word. It says come. It didn't say drown. It said come. And when he put his mind on that word, it transformed him. Come on, from a hiding in the back of the boat, scared of a ghost guy, to a walking on the water. Man of God. Come on, do you see this? Walking on. Did he, was he transformed? He was changed into another person. 
from timidity and fear to boldness and faith and miracles. But just a few minutes later, he gets to looking at the wind. And so if he's looking at it, what's he doing? What's he thinking? He's thinking fearful thoughts. Now let's just stop right here. I'm not judging. I just want you to see this. Peter is being disobedient. Back up two verses. What did the Lord tell them? What does it say? Jesus spoke to them. Was Peter part of them? And what did he tell them? What did he tell them? Cheer up. Quit that. Quit that whining and carrying on. And what? When Peter got to looking at the wind, what did the Bible say happened to him? Afraid. Is this okay? The Lord told him don't do it. Which is why when he goes down, Jesus didn't grab him and pull him up and pat him on the back and go, hey, you know, don't be shocked, Peter. You know, I'm the son of God. And I can do this. And it's amazing that you've made it a few steps yourself. Men have come up with stuff like this. Jesus is holding on to him and looks at him and says, little faith. I don't know that that blessed Peter, but (laughs) it's the truth. And he wants to know, why did you waver? Why? Is Jesus okay with this? He's not. You can hear it in his statement that as far as he's concerned, there's no reason why Peter shouldn't have walked with him all the way to the boat. This episode of looking at the wrong thing, thinking the wrong thing, getting upset, getting scared, sinking, none of that had to happen. None of that should have happened. And it happened because Peter was disobedient to the word that he had just heard just a few minutes ago, a command. Did the Lord say, try not to be afraid? Do the best? No. No, what did he say? Be not afraid. Was there enough power? I mean, when the word of God came and said, light be. Was there enough power to make light come? When he says, don't be afraid. Reckon there was enough power for them not to be afraid? If they'd have held on to it and received it. Same power in that don't be afraid as in that word come. Can you see this? Friend, I've missed it in these areas. You've missed it in these areas. But we didn't have to. Peter missed it, but he didn't have to. When the Lord tells you, don't be afraid. He expects you to do what he says. When he says, don't think about that anymore. He expects you to close the door. And no matter if it comes to your mind a thousand times in the day, you will cast it down and say, I'm not thinking about that. I'm not thinking about that. I want you to say it out loud. My mind mind is my mind. mind. I can think on on whatever I choose to. I I don't have to think on. Anything I don't choose to. The devil can't. Nobody else can. Make me think on something I'm not supposed to. Do you believe it? Glory to God. 
Somebody say glory to God. Go with me to Colossians 3. I tell you what, go to Hebrews 12, then we'll go to Colossians 3. We'll do it that way. Hebrews 12 and Colossians 3. Why are Christians, why have we in times past been lacked peace, lacked joy, were worried, troubled, bothered, confused? It is the result of considering things we are not supposed to consider. Looking at possibilities, looking at what if and what about and how come and why and wherefore. And when the Lord told us, don't think about that, think about this. Being careful and troubled about many things when we've already got the one thing we're supposed to be looking at. And thinking about and talking about. And if we would discipline ourselves that we want, as far as this subject is concerned, we won't look at, think about, listen to, or talk about anything else but this one thing. The fear would leave. The anxiety would go. Come on, are you listening? The peace would fill us up. The joy would come up in us. Do you believe this? Thou will keep him. Keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Can you say glory to God? Hebrews 12 and 2. 12 and 2 says, looking at everything. Huh? 12 different things. Look into Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at the next verse. For do, for what? Consider him. Somebody say consider him. Consider your healer, not the sickness. Consider your provider, not the bills. I try not to think about him, Brother Keith, but I just, you know, I, I like to pay my bills and, and it just bothers me so bad. It's entirely your fault that you're doing this to yourself. It's disobedience. You're not supposed to be considering how hard it is and how broke you are. And the problems at the company. And how much money. And how in the world. Do you remember what Jesus taught? He said take no thought. Saying. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? He said don't take a, don't take a thought. Is, is he just giving us a little pep talk? Is he giving us some suggestions that would be ideal? He fully expects us to do what he told us to do. When he said don't. Don't take a thought about that. He believes we will follow his instructions. Take no thought. Saying. How are we going to do this? Where this is going to come from? How are we going to We're supposed to be considering. Considering. The God who can easily supply all of our needs. We're supposed to be thinking about one thing. 
Takes discipline, doesn't it? Will you be tempted to think about the other? Oh, yes, you will. But if you want to be weak and a mess and a basket case, somebody having to try to pray for you and help prop you up, then think about all the bills and think about all the symptoms and think about all the bad reports and just do what he told you not to do. But if you want to be a pillar in your family, if you want to be somebody that's strong when everybody else is crying and falling apart, come on, are you listening? Develop powers of focus and concentration to where no matter what's going on, you run to the Lord and say, Lord, what's my one thing? What's my one thing? Tell me what to think on. Tell me what to look at. You know you consider him. You know you consider the word. But specifically, what do I look at? And he'll tell you. He'll show you. It could be something you heard four years ago. And the Holy Ghost will just prompt it. Bring it right up in your spirit. And you'll know, okay, this is it. This is it. And I mean symptoms and circumstances will holler and vie and try to get your attention night and day. But it's your job to look at that one thing. One thing, what he told me. There's nothing else on the menu. There's nothing else to consider. How many understand Peter looked at something he shouldn't have looked at? He thought about something he shouldn't have thought about. He yielded to feelings of fear. He should, he'd already been told just a few minutes ago, don't do that. And that's why he sank. And the Lord's merciful. Aren't you glad he's merciful? He still reached down. And grabbed a hold of him and say, somebody say, thank you for mercy. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for mercy. But he did look at him and say, why'd you do that? Didn't he? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do what? Why did you let your mind go over there? Why did you let yourself think that? Why'd you get scared like I told you not to? Why'd you do that? Oh, friends, we've gone through so much stuff. We didn't have to go through. But that's the past. I said that's the past. And we're talking about being transformed. Becoming a different person. Living a different life. Oh somebody say thank you Lord. Verse 3 says what? Consider him. That endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest what happened to you? Lest you be wearied. And what happened to you? Faint. In your mind. Why would you get weary? Because you're not considering him. You're considering the problem. You're not doing what he told you to do about not being afraid. You're yielding and you're panicking and you're you're fretting and you're pacing the floor and you're calling everybody you know and asking them. There's only one thing that matters, but you're asking too many questions. Well, what about this? And, and how come that? And, and what if we need to do this? It's complicated. No, it ain't complicated. There's one thing you need to be looking at right now. The Lord helped me to see this with Phyllis and I first answered the call to be in the ministry. And we realized the Lord was leading us to go out to Broken Air, Oklahoma, to Rhema Bible Training Center. And that was like, you know, moving to another continent for us. Little country people and no money and uh, leaving our families and leaving everything we knew and everything we had. And we, did, we didn't have money for tuition. We didn't have money to make the trip. From where we were to Oklahoma. 
much less to get a place and to live there and stay there and all the things. And so as you're praying about it, you're thinking, well, what about this? And and well, what about our jobs? And and where are we going to live? And, And what about this? And what about our families? And there's just a lot of things to consider. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Well, you know, it's a complex issue. There's several sides to this. No, there's not. It's a lot to think about. No, there's not. That's the problem. That's why people are so scattered and so confused and so scared. There was one thing. Go there. Go there. Yeah, but how? I'll show you. From where? I'll show you. Abraham went out. Not knowing. And he learned how to do it then. And he did it the rest of his life. He learned how to consider him. Go to Hebrews 11. Can we take just a few more minutes? This is important. You're Hebrews 12. Uh, let's see. Actually, go to Romans 4 for this. This is in Hebrews 11, but go to Romans 4. Romans 4, 17. It said, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Verse 18. Who against hope, with no reason to hope or expect, he believed in expectation, in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Verse 19. And being not weak in faith. You see that next phrase? I said, do you see that next phrase? What is the key to being strong in faith? What's the key to not being weak? He he what? You're going to be the father of many nations. Well, now, isn't that interesting? I'm 99. Sarah's, what, 90? Sarah couldn't conceive when she's 25. She's gone through the change of life and now she's 90? Wow. You know, there's a lot to consider here. I mean, you got the natural cycles of life. You've got the, the hormones. You've got the, uh, is the womb even alive? You, you've got this. You've got that. Or do you? How do you not vacillate? How do you not waver? How do you stay out of fear? How do you stay out of the things that rob millions of good people of miracles they could have? Consider not all the other stuff once you've got the one thing. Did he have the one thing? We just got through reading it. He had the one thing is the word from the Lord that says, I have made you the father of many nations. Change your name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham, ever how you want to say it. Change it because I said it 
and you are. And the Bible said what? Come on, read it again. The Bible said, verse 19, uh, in the Young's literal translation, let me read it from there. It says, not having been weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Did he have symptoms of being too old? Did he have symptoms of not being able to father a child? Did she have symptoms of not being able to conceive or carry a child? Oh, are you kidding? Every day they got up, their 99 and 90 year old bodies talked to them. Didn't they? What are they saying? No way, no how. (laughs) Too late. It was too late 20 years ago. Too late. No way, no how. And if you listen to that, and you think about that, see, there's no way to stay out of fear and unbelief if you look at the wrong thing and listen to the wrong thing and talk about the wrong thing. What do you got to do with all the other things that contradict what the Lord told you. What do you have to do? Don't consider it. Don't think about it. Don't listen to it. Don't talk about it. Can you do that? When symptoms are so glaringly in your face. Hmm? When symptoms, I mean, the creditors are calling and, and, and things are proceeding and this and that. Can you not focus on that? Can you focus your mind on my God meets all my needs? When you're hurting, when you're having to deal with things that are uncomfortable and unpleasant, is it possible in the midst of very uncomfortable situation, is it possible to not think about it, not talk about it, keep your mind on what he told you? With long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. I will not die, I will live and declare the glory of God and the work of God. All things are possible to him that believes. Even if something slaps you sideways, you just have to shake it off and go, none of these things move me. There's just one thing I need to think about. One thing. Somebody say one thing. One thing. It says, not having been weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, already become dead, being about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he wouldn't consider them. And at the promise of God, he did not stagger in unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, having given glory to God, and having been fully persuaded that what he had promised, he is able also to do. And they had a miracle, my brother. Didn't they? They had a miracle. Isaac was conceived. Isaac was carried full term. Isaac was born a perfect, healthy baby boy. hundred years old. 90 or 91. But if he and Sarah had talked about, well, I just don't know how God's going to do this. I... You feeling any younger? (laughs) I can't say that I am. I actually feel a little more stove up this week than I did last week. How about you? You feeling like you could carry a child? Oh, Lord, no. No. You can't talk about how you feel. You can't talk about what you uh, look like. 
You can't talk about the bad reports. Are y'all listening to me? And we're not saying they don't exist. Yeah, they're there. Yeah, they're real. But that doesn't mean you got to think about them. It doesn't mean you have to talk about them or you have to listen to them. In closing, I think. (laughs) Colossians 3. Some of you, I don't know when I'll see you again. Visitors and other folks. This is very significant tonight. Hmm? This can make the difference in uh, you coming out of debt or losing what you got. This can make the difference between you being healed or or your life being cut short. This can be the difference between your marriage being okay or or you not making it as a family. Say it again one thing. Hmm? One thing. Once you hear from him, there's nothing else on the menu. Hmm? It makes it so easy. Nothing else to think about, talk about, consider, be worked up about. All your fear goes away. Colossians 3. Just a few moments on this. How do you know it's the one thing? How do I know? Maybe if I got several things that have hit me all at once, how can I know which is the one right thing to think about? It's not hard. Colossians 3 and 15 in the Amplified. Well, let's read the King James first, then we'll read Amplified. Colossians 3.15, let, understood subject here is you. You let or allow the peace of God to what? Rule in your hearts. Let me read the Amplified. Let the peace from Christ rule, act as umpire continually in your hearts. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. Let it settle it like an umpire. To which as members of Christ one body you're called to live and be thankful. Giving praise to God always. Dave took me to a baseball game the other night. And uh, the coach got thrown. What do you, he got ejected? How do you say it? Why? Because he challenged the call. Umpire's call. (laughs) You can't do that. (laughs) What was the case? Were they saying balls or strikes? Which, what were they? They were calling them strikes. No, they were calling them balls. And the coach uh, said they should have been strikes. And he let him know. And the ump said, you can't, I have ruled, in other words. And it is what it is, and you're out for even questioning it. Eject, is that the right word? Ejected him. (laughs) Out of the game. (laughs) He's a coach. Well, what is the umpire in our lives? The peace that passes understanding. Jesus said, my peace I give you. Not like the world gives you. This is not like anything you can find in the world. My peace. This is the very peace Jesus himself walked in on the earth. And he said, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. 
And he said, well, I'm quoting it, but you need to see it. Go over to John. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. John 15, excuse me, 14, 14, 14, 27. Let this come to you as hearing the Lord Jesus himself. These are his words, red letters. It wouldn't be any more true than if you saw him in the flesh here tonight and he looked you in the face and told you. Yeah. Would it? Mm-mm. Just as true. What did Jesus say? Peace. I leave with you my peace I give to you. Somebody say, I got Jesus peace. I have Jesus peace. You know what else you got? The mind of Christ. You got his mind. You got his peace. So don't tell him you can't do it. Don't say, well, Lord, I I can't help from being afraid. He gave you his own peace and his mind. And he didn't yield to it. So don't tell him you can't do it. Because the same peace and mind he didn't yield to fear with, he gave you and me. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. This is not like anything you can find in the world. What's the very next phrase? What did he say? Since you got this peace now, don't let your heart be troubled. The understood subject there is you. Let not. You don't let your heart be troubled. You don't let your heart be afraid. Don't let it be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Is it possible to do this? Hmm? Is it possible to do what Jesus told us to do? To not let our heart be troubled. I got five nods and a couple of amens. Come on, are are y'all with me, friends? Is this serious, what what happened right here? Is it true? Did he give us his peace? Was Jesus falling apart all the time? Was he looking at stuff he shouldn't have been looking at? Was he thinking about things he shouldn't have been thinking about? Was he scared all the time and upset and troubled about everything? and Huh? Crying on the apostles' shoulders going, y'all pray for me. Man, I'm having a bad day. I just don't know what to do. I mean, I could do this, but then you'd have that. And, and I could do this, but I, I just don't know. And, and the Sadducees are on my case and the Pharisees. And, and if I say that, they're ready to do this. And if I do that, there's just so much to consider. You know, y'all pray for me. <laughs> Jesus never, never said anything like that. Not like that. He always knew. Didn't he? Yes. They'd come and say, Lord, you know, everybody's looking for you. He said, no, we have to go over here and preach. That's why I came out. Wondering? Looking? No. Did he know and discern the good and perfect will of God? Hmm? Why? Because he wasn't considering anything else except what he got from the Father. So there was nothing to talk about nothing to vote on huh (laughs) nothing to pray about once you've heard i've been in a situation before where the lord give us the word and you tell people well here's what it is and they go well i'll pray about it about what whether you're going to do what he told you to do or not ain't nothing to pray about when you get to one thing 
Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Who said it? Who said it? The head of the church, Jesus. And don't tell him you can't help it because he gave you his very own peace. So you'd be able to do this. Say, I got the peace of Jesus. I got the mind of Christ. I don't have to be afraid. Be troubled. Did you know it's possible to get up every day and go through every day and go through every night and live your whole life and not be afraid? And not be upset and troubled and scared. Did you know that's possible? It's possible to live your whole life and face death and die and never be afraid. Did you know this is possible? Everybody gets afraid when they die. Said who? Said who? Stephen is being stoned. Huge rocks are hurling and hitting him in the head. He's being killed. And in the midst of it, he says, I see Jesus. I see him standing at the right hand. You know, rocks are hitting him. And the Bible says he just went to sleep. That's not racked with fear. That's not tormented. And the man's being stoned to death. It's possible to live every day without fear. Live your whole life and die. The Lord tears is coming with no fear. No fear. Why? Why? Put it back up on the screen. What did Jesus tell us about that peace? What did he say? Verse 27. Peace. This is the head of the church. Close your eyes. I want you to hear him say it to you. Let him say it. Hear him say it to you. Peace. I leave with you. My peace. I give to you. Not as the world gives. Give I unto you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. You have my peace. You have my mind. You have my spirit. Greater is he that's in you. Than he that is in the world. And I always cause you to triumph. And give you the victory. Through the anointed Jesus. The anointed word. Glory to God. Lift up your hands. Begin to praise him and thank him. Let's, let's lift up our hands. Let's, let's set our mind upon him. Oh, look away from everything that's been bothering you and troubling you. Look away from everything that's been upsetting you and scaring you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come on, lift your voice. Praise him some. Lord, we praise you. We bless you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. 
For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.